now, it's Gardening Talkback with gardening specialist Scott Sharp. Title, welcome along. Scotty Sharp, big gardening talkback program today. Mate, nice to see you again. Good to see you. We've got it all planned out. If you say so. Yes. All well planned. So uh, we're looking forward to taking some calls, 49216216. A couple of other big topics to talk about too, into the garden. Camellias are in flower at the moment. We're definitely going to talk about them. A rocket. It's a fantastic herb to eat. We've got some fun facts about that. And frangipani rust is going crazy. Particular flower just is the right time of the season for it today. Absolutely right. Camellias are out at the moment and they are looking absolutely spectacular. So what is it about this time of year that is makes conditions okay for them? It just starts to cool off. We get a little bit of rain and that is the time for them to come out and flower. I reckon they, they are coming out earlier and earlier all the time. So what are we putting that down to? Just a change in, in conditions? Yeah, I think it's a change in conditions because typically they're not really supposed to come out till, uh, you know, June. And it seems to be that every year, I mean, mine out at home are in absolute full flower. You're driving around at the moment, you're seeing them all out in full flower. And I think it is just a, I don't know, it must be a, we'd like to say climate warming or whatever, but I think it might be something a little bit different. It's getting a little bit cooler. Just the, 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 uh, the, the uh, climate and the... Uh, it's just moving around a little bit. I think that's all it really is. I'm no climate. Are you looking at me like I'm some sort of climate change expert? There, don't do that. It is a cli- climatologist, Scotty Sharp. I'm getting, I'm getting nervous, Jimmy. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just listening to it because I mean I don't know what the right conditions are for them, but you do. That's what it I is. do, and, and it now is the right conditions for camellias. Mm-hmm. But look, a fantastic time to actually go out to your garden centre uh, if you're looking at uh, planting camellias. A wide variety of uses with them. Uh, they can be, be used for hedging. They make a fantastic hedge, and of course, you get the flower at this time of year. Uh, they'll grow. You know, they're not. A, they're, they'll grow quickly enough, but they're not a, a plant that's going to go too quickly for you as a hedge. So you're not out there trying to hedge it all the time. You know, with your mechanical hedger or your shears or whatever, trying to keep it under control. How much of that? How much of a selling point is something like that, though? Knowing that you you're going to get the results that you want eventually, but you don't have to be monitoring it every five seconds. Well, people often come in. They want a quick growing hedge, but then the flip side to that, of course, <laughs> is it's constantly <laughs> quickly growing. <laughs> Once you get it to the height you want. Yeah, you're going to be uh, pretty much chained and bald to that one. <laughs> yeah, so this may be the way to go. Yeah, camellia's really good. They will grow in the full sun. Now, I'm talking about the Sasanqua camellia there because there's two varieties. There's uh, Japonica and Sasanqua. Japonica flowers a little bit later. It has a much larger flower and also has much larger uh, leaves than the uh, Sasanqua. Sasanqua is the best one for the hedging, in my opinion. It will grow out in the full sun and tolerate a lot more of that. Uh, look, the foliage is always glossy green. They don't seem to get uh, too much in the way of pest and disease. The other great thing about camellias is that you can choose the colour you want the flower. Oh, that's really handy. It is really handy. Uh, it's almost like designer hedging if you'd like to design a planting. It really is. And with those colour options being... Uh, okay, you can start from pure white mm-hmm. and go all the way through to dark, dark red. Oh, so there's quite a few options yeah, there. Yeah, and, uh, and you can get them with uh, different blushes in them. Uh, you can also get single and double flowers as well, so you can get that nice uh, yellow stamen in the middle, or you can get them so they're really nice and ruffled. Uh, early pearlies are really beautiful. A uh, white one, if you'd like to do uh, you know, a white hedge, they do look fantastic. Uh, look, they have so many different cultivars. So, you know, we could sort of start now and be still naming them at four o'clock this afternoon, and that would be speed reading them. Uh, there are literally thousands, but strangely enough, they're all bred from the three original species, uh, Japonica, Sasanqua, and Reticulata. We also get tea from camellias. 
Is that right? It is, yeah. 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 So it looks so many different uses. They, If you're growing them, they like a, a slightly acidic soil, uh, fairly good drainage. Uh, when you're uh, mulching them or feeding them, use some cow manure, uh, and that works a treat on them. You can also grow them in pots if you'd like to. Uh, look, a very versatile plant. Uh, they don't require too much water as well when they're in pots. Uh, so, yeah, again, very, very easy to look after. And if we've got them in the pots, they can be indoor, outdoor, no problem? Uh, no, 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 no. These are specifically outdoor plants talking about have you got a hedge in your kitchen no no it's just we're, no but you no, said no. in a pot plant i mean obviously it's not you know it doesn't always have to be big but if you've got a, a veranda or yeah. a, you know a terrace or something like that you need to, can only have pots on then you can certainly have camellias you can prune them mm-hmm. into shape if you want some topiary and this time of year you're going to have heaps and heaps of color the rest of the year a, a really nice green glossy plant that's easy to look after and won't get out of control i tell you what this this plant this photo really is a, a man of the people kind of a, a thing is it easy to look after and oh. catering to all tastes and styles look camellia would vote liberal and labor at the same time if it could it really, it really even though goes, it's green it is <laughs> good afternoon rather vicky from singleton you have a question uh, vicky about roses for scotty today hi scott happy yeah hi vicky how can we help you um, I've got a number of roses in my late mother's rose garden um, and I have access to them to take some cuttings to keep for myself. Yes. And I just wondered when was, because they're flowering at the moment, and I just wondered when's the best time to take those cuttings. Yeah, look, obviously the best time to take cuttings is, uh, you know, August, uh, you know, around that spring period. That's when everything's, you know, starting, the motor's starting up in the plants and they're getting ready to grow again. Uh, right. With roses, they are deciduous, so they are going to lose their leaves. But yep. that doesn't mean you can't take cuttings now. I would suggest to do so as soon as possible to get as much uh, of the growth period in uh, and probably just expect a few to not, uh, not, you know, make, not it. make it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas if you were doing it in August, you'd get... To a, you know, a far, far higher strike rate. So, uh, look, I'd, I'd get out there almost immediately with the secateurs and uh, yep. start taking some cuttings. Important when you're taking rose cuttings uh, to try and uh, leave them be for about, uh, you know, six to 12 months, so for quite a long period of time until those roots have completely taken. And you, even if you start seeing them coming down through the holes in the bottom of the pot because uh, dislodging them too early uh, will, uh, you know, harm, the, harm, harm the cutting. So, yeah, yeah. always good to, uh, to leave it as long as possible. Uh, get some uh, cutting compound, otherwise known as rooting powder. Um, we just we love saying that. It's our little... Uh, <laughs> it's our carry-on <laughs> up, up the petal. I think I have some of the rooting powder. Excellent. <laughs> So we, we love doing that. That's about my only joke that I can tell. So I've, I've wheeled it out here this afternoon just for you. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. <laughs> uh, so look, you, you dip it into that uh, into that cutting uh, powder and uh, then you put it into some propagation mix and water as normal. Okay, not a, not a problem. And just while I've got you, I noticed, I heard you saying about camellias, which were also her first love, um, and I have a number of them in various states of disrepair around the place, that I want to... Um, a lot of them have grown through the pots. They've been there for many, many years. Yes. And I'm wanting to move them from what was her garden into what's my garden. We lived on a property, so her her garden area now is, belongs to somebody else um, in the group that we've got. Yes. And I want to move some of her stuff into my area because, yeah, the other people don't necessarily want the same plants that I want or, or plants at all. <laughs> And I'd just like to keep some of them because I know they were special to her. 
Uh, no, look, that's fine. You can certainly do that. Are you going to keep them in pots or put them into the ground? I was going to keep them in pots, mm -hmm. yes, just yeah. so that I, if necessary, if the area, because where we are out here at Singleton, I know when we moved up here from Wollongong a number of years ago, um, she had both um, Sazanqua and Japonica, and we're, she um, made special structures, etc., to try and keep the microclimate for the Japonicas, but I don't think that worked very well. Okay. <laughs> um, the Sazanquas are still here, so um, I would like to be able to move them if necessary so that if the area where I've got them isn't great for them I can maybe try somewhere else. Yeah look certainly do that uh, it might be time like you said to uh, give them a repot so go out and get a specific uh, camellia and azalea potting mix uh, to repot it into. Don't uh, root prune or anything like that when you do repot them most I would do is sort of give a rub around the edge of the root ball just to try and release some of those finer hair roots and yep. uh, let them spread out a little bit. Okay, then that sounds great. Thank you very much for that. Okay, not a problem, Vicky. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Vicky. And uh, come back in a little while with Sue at Lake Macquarie. You've got a friend Japani question, and we'll also get us get into some chocos, Scotty, uh, before one o'clock too. Yeah, well, we've got the old choco story we could tell. And uh, Sue at Lake Macquarie, you've got a question about your friend Japanis. What's going on with those? Uh, yes, are you there, Scott? Yes, how can I help you with that? Yeah, well, last year I had um, some, like the tips were rotted and I actually painted the black solution on them, so that set them back. But this year, what I've done, with the rust, I've pulled every leaf off. I don't know whether I've done the right thing. Within the last week, I just pulled, pulled them all off and picked them up off the ground. Yeah, look, that, that, look, picking them up off the ground definitely is the right thing to do. With the frangipani rust, it is a, a very, very difficult to d disease to control and it comes on so very, very quickly uh, mm. at this time of year. It's, it's like it's almost held off this year, though, and then it's come on with a real rush and probably yeah. after that, that little bit of rain that we've had. Mm -hmm. uh, look, we'll never actually kill the plant, but it certainly disfigures it, as you know, quite horribly and makes the leaves curl up and, and go all brown and crinkly. The other, the, I mean, the only saving grace with the frangipani rust is it happens at a time of year when the frangipani is going to lose its leaf anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, so in, in that way, it's not such a you know, bad problem in that you know, it's disfiguring it for you know, all the way through summer or anything like that. It happens now. We're about to lose our leaves, so that's a, that's a good thing in a way. Uh, you can treat it with uh, mancozeb if you'd like to or copper oxychloride, uh, mm -hmm. but it is very difficult to control. Uh, the other thing I would say is, like you've done, is to clean up the leaves from underneath the tree as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And you can also make up that fungicide into a drench if you'd like to in, the, in a water can and mm. water that around the tree to try and kill any fungal spores that might be sitting there. But uh, look, otherwise there's not really a great deal you can do with it. I, I guess uh, uh, you know, come uh, you know uh, March or April, you could get a fungicide and start you know spraying it preventatively mm -hmm. uh, with uh, mancozeb just to try and keep it under control. Um, but even then, it still will um, you know take over quite badly. It's, so uh, pulling the leaves off really doesn't make any difference, just let them fall off yeah, and just, just pick them up? Just let them fill off. It'll still be feeding the tree and giving the tree energy, so mm -hmm. uh, let so, it... And just use cow manure around them? or Yes, you can certainly use cow manure. Look, anything to try and keep the plant healthy and give it a feed mm -hmm. is a good thing. It actually uh, it, uh, emanated from uh, Florida. Right, uh, okay. This This rust, and of course, as with most things these days, they get... Uh, 
you know, transport it around the world. Um, That's right. Yeah, by ship or by plane or whatever. And, uh, it's a bit hard to stop it, yeah. yeah. And look, it started up in Queensland, but it, had, it has been spreading down the coast. And I remember mm-hmm. probably, you know, five or six years ago, it wasn't that big a problem down here. And then uh, it, it really has, um, like the cane toads has kept on spreading Take over, south, yeah. yeah. And also, tubicinas, I've noticed, like, once the flowering is finished, the woody um, branches, when's the best, best time to cut tibicinas back so they get more bushy and not so woody? Yeah, look, I'd leave them at this point in time because if you cut them back as we go into winter, you won't get any, mm. any regrowth from those mm-hmm. uh, woody shoots. So I guess you g- could give it a little bit of a, a shape if you wanted to, but nothing too drastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I would, of course, wait till August, mid-August before you give it a hard cut back. Uh, then you'll get that growth coming on as it warms up and you'll get a nice uh, tree you won't have sort of a bare bones uh, skeleton of a tibicina sitting in your yard. Thank you very much, Sue. And I'll tell you what, Scotty, everyone today is wanting the two-for-one deal, aren't they? They are, and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I mean, uh, everyone's a winner here. <laughs> everyone's a winner. <laughs> you, get a, you get a set of steak knives as well, if you ask nicely. OK, well, let's see if we can make it three for three. Annette, you're standing by at Maryland, and uh, you've got a question about chocos today, how to freeze them. Yes. Can you freeze choco? I can't see why you couldn't freeze... Ch- Look, I'm, I've got to say that I'm not Jamie Oliver. I'm, 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 I'm certainly not that bloke. Uh, but I can't see why you couldn't freeze Choco. It's, again, a very versatile... Uh, I was going to say vegetable, but it's not. It's a fruit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I, look, I've, I've never been a big fan of the Choco, and I always remember the, that particular fast food restaurant chain where no. the question, you know, the idea that the apple pies were actually made of Choco, and I, I went off them after that, so... Uh, but look, uh, people do, they stand by the choco uh, and they really love it. So I think you could actually freeze it. Now, would you have to um, peel it and blanch it or just peel it and freeze it or just freeze it as it is? Yeah, I, I don't I, know. I, I would I'd probably try a couple. You might as well freeze it as it is, but I would also freeze it and blanch it as well. Uh, and just to see, if, you know, once it's had that, you know, slight bit of preparation, if it might not, uh, you know, stay, uh, you know, fresher for a little bit longer. Yeah. No, well, I've asked quite a few people and, and nobody can tell me. Ah, well... That, and I thought, now, you might know being a, a gardener, yeah. you might know. <laughs> but my daughter and I love them. Yeah. And you're going to be given a, a, quite a few soon. And I thought, oh, I can't, eat them, I can't eat that many. You know, so I thought, oh, well, I'll ask you if I can freeze them. So that's all I wanted to know. I, I reckon, and now I, I'm going to give this over to Mark here because he has done some very, very quick and thorough research here. Yeah, just done some quick research for you there. Uh, it says, yeah. this is according to the internet, okay, so we, we, just bear with us, Annette. It says the best way is to boil or bake until half cooked, the choco, and then cool yeah. and freeze in an airtight container or a snap lock bag, defrost slightly before resume cooking. And, oh, right. And the Choco has a freezer life of six months, so we, there you go. We are like an oracle here. People can come to us for all sorts of information and we will we will give it to you. Well, well there you go. Glad, so, we can, glad we can help you out. And Ed, good luck with that, OK? Thank you very much. Okay. I do appreciate it. OK, good on you, Ned. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. See, we've got, we got three for four, Scotty. Oh, we're doing very well. Good afternoon, Kristen. You're at Valentine and uh, you've got a kangaroo vine that needs some assistance. I do, I do. Afternoon, gentlemen. Hello. Um, I'm wondering whether I need to use the steak knives on cutting <laughs> the eight feet off. You haven't won or, them yet. Um, I've, got, I've got this um, kangaroo vine. It's growing really prolifically. It's going well, but there's um, a fair few aphids coming out on it, but it doesn't seem to be affecting 
um, anything surrounding it or on it. So I'm thinking, do the benefits of keeping it on it outweigh kind of just eradicating it? Uh, look, I, I don't know about the benefits of, of, of keeping aphids on a plant because they will do damage over time. Uh, but that said, I mean, you sort of then willy-nilly spraying to try and keep them under control, you know, you can affect the bees, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, look, probably, you know, it's one of those six ones, half a dozen of the other type situations. A vine is always going to be naturally quick-growing and able to spring back from any sort of, uh, you know, insect incursion that's, that's happened on it. Uh, look, if you're really concerned, I'll probably just get a, a, a pyrethrum spray and uh, mix that up and give that a spray because that should keep the aphids under control and is not going to harm, uh, you know, too much else. So it's only a contact spray so and it's completely natural. So anything it touches, it, it will kill, but, uh, you know, it's not going to sit in the plant, uh, you know, if bees are hanging around or other insects are coming in and having a suck of the sap or, you know, the flowers. So I'd probably just get a pyrethrum spray and give the, keep the aphids under control because you don't want them spreading into other plants in the garden either. Yeah, okay. The aphids will be gone in the hour. Lovely. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Who gets the steak knife, Scotty? No oh, one it's aphid eradication here. I mean, I'd like to see aphids being taken out with steak knives. That'd yeah. be pretty exciting. Yeah, well, we'll see what we can do. Actually, just back on your choco for a moment, because you said you're not a fan, right? No, I'm not. Do you know the very most successful topic that we have ever put on the 2NURFM Facebook page, and it was by Kev, I'll give him a win on this, yeah. was about the humble choco. Yeah. 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 Do you like it? Did you have to eat as a kid? 50,000 comments. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not... That shouldn't rear its ugly head again in that case. Good afternoon, Leonie at Ella Long. You've got a problem with the hydrangeas today. What's happening with them, Leonie? Oh, I've got two hydrangeas in pots, and they've got mould all over the leaves. I was just wondering what I could put on them to get rid of it. Oh, that doesn't sound too good. Look, my bathroom can be a little bit like that in the middle of winter, but uh, that's not where we are right now. Uh, I think you've got a fairly common fungal problem that uh, hydrangeas get. Uh, so you do get that sort of grey fungus starting to grow all over them. Like, frangi like frangipanis, though, the good thing about hydrangeas is they're soon about to lose their leaves, so they're not such, it's not such a big problem with them. However, you can go and get a product called copper oxychloride. It's a fungicide. And you mix that up and, and spray that all over the plant. Uh, you'll probably see that uh, won't necessarily go away. Um, you'll see maybe the leaves start to almost shrivel up a little bit more once you start to apply it. Uh, you can also spray it in under the, uh, the plant as well. But the important thing is to get rid of any of those leaves that have dropped onto the ground. Uh, around the pots uh, and just uh, keep on spraying and be ready for them to lose their leaves anyway in the next few weeks. All right, then. Okay, so not, not, not such a big deal, but uh, keep on treating it just to make sure all's well. Thank you very much, Leonie. We head to Cliff Lee and Andrew, and uh, you've got uh, something you want, a situation around your fence line you want to have a look at. How can we help you with it, Andrew? Andrew has gone. We'll see if we can try and get, see if we can try and get Andrew back. Yeah. In the meanwhile, we'll head to uh, Valentine. I'm and, still here. Oh. oh, that's Andrew there. Yep, yep, still here. G'day, mate. How can we help you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Um, I've got a long property. It has uh, about a 90-metre border along the road, and I wanted to put a hedge in. Yes. But my wife loves azaleas. Now, it'll be in full sun. Is this an issue? Uh, look, no, it's not, actually. Azaleas will grow out in the full sun. I've seen them hedged, uh, albeit uh, I saw a very, very beautiful hedge down in Melbourne uh, a few months ago. It looked fantastic down there, probably because, uh, you know, they do have a slightly less warm climate down there, I guess would be the way to describe it, and slightly less humid as well. But certainly your azaleas will grow out in the full sun. They do make a very nice hedge. 
Uh, the only thing with azaleas is you just have to be careful about over pruning them because if you prune your azaleas back too hard, they sort of get a weird stunted growth about them. So uh, once you've got it up to the height you want it to, uh, you just make sure you're pruning it regularly and not letting it go out of control and then trying to, uh, to prune it back too hard. But the great thing about azaleas is they're never going to get too tall for you. Uh, I'm thinking a metre, metre and a half is probably about your tallest azalea. Um, so you can go out and choose uh, different uh, colours as well if you want to. There's uh, Alba Magnifica. It's a, a very nice uh, big white flowered azalea and uh, it, it works really well as a hedging plant. Great. How far apart should we... We want them to grow about the, the 1.5 metre. How far apart should we space them? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm here. I've, I've put my arms out and I'm thinking if you put them about... <laughs> A metre or so apart, maybe just a little bit under a metre, uh, yep. they will grow into each other quite nicely. All right. How, how quickly will they, they come up to, say, you know, a metre or so? How long will that take, roughly? Oh, look, I would think uh, to have a good full hedge about two, two years, 18 months to two years. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, yeah not, not too long. They're fairly quick growing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, look, it's not something that's going to happen in six months. Uh, but I, I would think 18 months to two years and you'll have a half-decent hedge. Thank you very much, Andrew. Heading to Valentine and Ed is on the line and you've got a wasp situation. Well, they're bad news. Ed, tell us about them. <laughs> have they had their go at you yet, mate? Good day, Scotty. How are you going? Yeah, pretty well. Have they had their go at you? <laughs> good, good. Uh, we have this uh, problem with paper wasps. Um, all over our camellias on the outside. My wife is extremely scared of um, going anywhere near them. She loves gardening, but um, uh, now I have to put on protective wear and try and uh, get in there if I want to prune them back or something like that. So what is the most effective way to go about uh, controlling this problem or getting rid of it? Yes, look, so as you should be worried about them because when they bite, they just go for it. I got done on the knuckle once while I was putting my hand in and straight into the bone. It hurt a lot. I remember my, uh, my dad was in the pool back in the day mm-hmm. and one actually got him on the lip as well. Uh, so they, they'll attack but, and they know you're coming as well and they'll swarm out. That's and, it. And they're very running. nasty. Yeah. I agree. Uh, look, uh, can you identify, Ed, where the actual nests are? Or uh, at this point in time, uh, you can't do that. No, it's very uh, difficult because it's um, there's a lot of growth there and um, I'm not exactly sure. Look, there, there is this fantastic product out there. It comes in a, a, a pressure pack, uh, you know, like a fly spray, and it is called mm-hmm. Wasp Killer and it has a very directed yeah. stream on it. And mm-hmm. you fi- once you find the nest, uh, you give it a spray to that nest and it drops those wasps within five to ten seconds. They don't even have right. the, the, uh, the chance to come out at you. Otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, general spraying. Yes, you could do some general spraying if you wanted to in the area with a product like Malathon. Uh, but the mm-hmm. trouble is, as soon as you disturb them, they come at you uh, you know, yeah. as quick as possible and from all directions. Uh, so I, I would think if you can identify where that... Uh, those nests are to get some of that wasp killer. Uh, mm-hmm. Look, it will burn a little bit on the plants. So once you've actually killed, I would the the wasp. I would you know wet the plants and try and spray that off again um, because it's a, a fairly sort of you know burny sort of chemical to use. But uh, as far as getting rid, rid of those wasps, I think it's almost a necessity. Uh, you know, you'd have to accept a little bit of damage to the plants. Uh, or if your aim's good though and you can get it directly on the uh, on the uh, nest, then all will be well. Right. 
Right, okay, and this would be available through most... Um, yeah, most garden centres or uh, hardware stores. Like Bunnings, well. maybe. Yeah, look, possibly. Uh, yeah, I'd go to yeah. Yeah, try your local garden centre and hardware stores and see how you go there. And uh, most importantly, Ed... The idea of cost? Uh, look, not overly expensive, mate. I, mm. I, from my memory, yeah. it was uh, 12 or $13, something like that. Don't quote me on that, of course. Right. Uh, but uh, somewhere, somewhere around that. And maybe get a good pair of running shoes on for when you do the spraying. Oh, absolutely. Too. I'd be going to your local beekeeper <laughs> and uh, trying to get some stuff. Well, uh, what else could you do? I guess you could just get <laughs> some fly spray, uh, some you know, fly screen and drape yourself in fly screen and, mm. and long pants and, and gloves to try and keep them away. But, uh, yeah, they will, they will have their go at your face and all sorts of places, so very dangerous. Not the most uh, fashionable, but at least it'll get the job done. Yes. It's, uh, are we in the right time? I mean, I suppose there's not really an on-off off season for wasps, is there? Or? No, I think wasps go all year round. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're crafty little devils. Oh, that's not good to hear. No. Scotty, about 60 seconds to go. We've got a little bit of something short we can wrap up on in today. Absolutely. I was going to talk about Golden Rain Tree. At the moment, it is looking absolutely spectacular. It's got its sort of pinky red seed pods out at the moment. Uh, a spectacular looking tree. It gets to about 5 to 12 metres tall. It will lose its leaves here in winter. Uh, uh, comes from uh, comes from Taiwan actually, um, so like most deciduous trees, come from colder climates, but uh, will do very very well here in Australia. Um, a nice canopy, and especially at the moment with the uh, the uh, the seed pods and the yellow flowers it gets throughout the year as well. A very interesting tree to have in the garden. Almost all the colours of the rainbow on that particular plant. Well, we kind of finished where we started with uh, a tree that's many different styles, many different colours. We started with the camellia. Very we good. Did. You're very well spotted. Oh, I'm all over it, mate. Don't you worry. <laughs> uh, that is Gardening Talk. Back for another week. Scotty Shubby will be back next Monday afternoon with Greg, I would oh, trust. Oh, Greg's back. He is next Monday, yeah. Oh, I can't wait. He's got a bit of... Uh, well, what, the program was good enough for you today? Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.